Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Hey, Matt. I don't know what's happening this February and March, but we've got another person joining us on the show this week. I think we finally realized that people are just sick of hearing us talk <laughs> yeah, about stuff that it doesn't relate to Christmas. <laughs> no, you're like, hey, one time I was driving and listening to Real Big Fishes turn the radio off on my way and to it- my parents' <laughs> Christmas party, and now I need to listen to Real Big Fish every Christmas. Now it makes Can we get an episode Christmas. out of that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, we the Scream episode worked. The first two movies came out in December. All right. And Scream whatever. 5 is who, a Christmas who do we movie. Have, Dylan? We, we, you can die on that hill. Tell the people who we've got joining us. We are week. here with the writer of probably one of our favorite new Christmas movies, 8-Bit Christmas, and he wrote the original book as well. Kevin Jabowski, thank you for joining us. Almost Jackabowski. Jackabowski. Almost I knew it. it. And we that's why Matt it. told me to do it. That is 100% why Matt told Matt, me to do it. Matt screwed you. Matt screwed you on that one. You Dylan screwed fucker. Dylan. Um, so, so uh, Kevin, obviously, I had first, I had already, 8 Bit Christmas was already on my radar. Um, the movie and and I was like I feel like I've heard that title before because I'm a longtime Geekscape fan and you had been on Geekscape like almost a decade ago it feels like to promote the the original book yeah. and then you were back on the show talking about the movie and I think I was halfway through watching that episode live and you basically talked about how Christmas Story 
isn't just your favorite Christmas movie. It is your favorite movie, period, end of sentence. And I texted John and was like, we want Kevin on uh, Christmas 365. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. he's our people. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, it definitely is my favorite movie of all time. And yeah, um, Christmas movies are just great. I'm, I, I'm psyched to find a podcast where... That's what you guys talk about. We're yeah. like-minded, like-minded folk. So, I mean, obviously the the influence of Christmas Story, I, I think it, everybody has called it out uh, with with 8-Bit Christmas. But there's so, like, what are some of the other stuff when you were making this movie that you were pulling from beyond? Obviously your love of Christmas Story and your love of video games. But there's so much happening in this movie. There's so many different stories being told and and. What were some of the major influences when you were going into this? Yeah, I, I mean, a Christmas story for sure. I think more than more than anything, it's just um, you know, kind of my childhood growing up. I think I think that's where most of it comes from. And then, you know, once you uh, are able to touch on your own specific childhood, you realize you know how how similar maybe many other people had it. You know, I, I mean the the Nintendo certainly for that time. Um, you know, I, I, I try to explain it to people if they weren't uh, a kid in the 80s or early 90s. Like Nintendo was just so big. It had its own cereal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's how big it was. Like the PlayStation doesn't have its own cereal. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's how how big it was and how big it was to the pop culture of kids. And so I, I, I just really thought that I could I could hang a movie on that. You know, I could hang a movie on that phenomenon that every kid has always wanted something for Christmas. And, and from there just kind of snowballed into all the things that I thought were funny or just enjoyed thinking about, you know, having a retainer as a kid or, um, you know, what the dynamic was in, in my house around Christmas or what it was like to grow up in the Midwest. And so all those things kind of, kind of work their way in there. And then when you start thinking about it structurally or, how it work as a movie, um, you know, then, then you start seeing how other movies did it, um, you know, and, and a princess bride did a great job of, of storytelling that way. And, you know, that was a cornerstone for me as to, you know, how, how you'd be able to look back sort of in an organic way of, of looking back at your childhood and, and the storyteller teller aspect just allows you to, to tell a much more colorful story. You know, it doesn't have to be, completely accurate from a timeline standpoint or from a reality standpoint. And you can really have lots of fun with it that way. So Princess Bride was a big influence, a Christmas story. And, and uh, my childhood, throwing a little John Hughes there, I think that's the recipe. <laughs> so I watched this with two friends uh, the night, pretty much the night it premiered. We got together and we watched it. My friend Lauren is uh, both a dog lover and a children's librarian. So... Oof. There's a there's a moment that happens <laughs> in the movie that obviously startled her for a little bit yes. and then everything's revealed to be okay. <laughs> and she was like, "I'm going to order the book for the library and read it." And I get a text message from her like on Monday and she's like, "The book arrived." And then on Tuesday she texts me and goes, "I'm starting to think the dog doesn't make it in the book." <laughs> And then he I get a text on Wednesday and goes, this book yeah. really made me sad about yeah. dogs. Oh. Tell, give, tell her I apologize. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the first things that the studio, uh, you know, when Warner Brothers bought the, bought the script, they were like, okay, we have some notes. And they always have notes. And I was like, I know exactly what their first note's going to be. 
the dog has to live. And sure enough, that was, that was their first note, which was fine. But to their credit, we were, you know, anytime you get a note from a studio or an executive or, or whoever, you know, you always have that. And at least I do have their initial reaction. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, if it's this great. was eight bit Halloween, they wouldn't have given yeah. you that note. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're supposed that's to feel true. good. Yeah, they kill dogs all the goddamn time in the Halloween movies. <laughs> yeah. But then you're able to uh, hopefully make it better. So I, I think we had got our had our cake and we were able to eat it too. Where we we just uh, you know were able to delay whether he dies or not. You know, yeah. you, you think he dies, but you get that joke. And the severity of it, because if you don't have something as severe as a dog dying, to me, you can't. It's not even remotely believable that parents would go crazy enough to try to ban Nintendo. So you need something as severe as that, um, and ridiculous as that, to have a ridiculous response. So the dog has to die, in my opinion. <laughs> he has to die to let that happen. But it, it does, I mean, it's it's true. I think the the, the movie version of that, it's like, oh, the dog didn't die. <laughs> right. But, but right. seeing that moment, I think it's it's done perfectly because it's long enough to yes. where when we were watching it here, it's like, holy shit, did they just kill the dog? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's good to hear that you thought it was long enough because I, I do think it worked and, and was yeah, honestly funnier definitely. because then you got to have jokes about the dog and casts and, you know. Uh, and a dog in a cast is always funny. I hate yeah, to say it, but it kind of is. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be. That would, to the director's credit, uh, you know, and everybody that, that made those pictures, I was like, I don't know, man. Is that going to read? <laughs> is that, that going to play? Huge laughs. I was totally wrong. <laughs> every, every, it does. Everybody loved it, yeah. And I, I think – sorry, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You sure? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think what I love about 8-Bit Christmas, and Matt and I have talked about this before, is much like a Christmas story where I'm a huge fan as well. And people in my family are like, how can you sit here and watch this for 24 hours? Like, how can you watch this <laughs> over and over again? I think what's unique about a movie like A Christmas Story or about 8-Bit Christmas is it is one big cohesive story, but it's also like split up into bits. It's almost like sketch comedy with a plot. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, and I love that. I love like the, the mother being a teacher because I'm a teacher as well. I love her waiting for the snow day and her being just (laughs) as pissed, if not more pissed than the kids when they don't get a snow day. And I love the, the rip on the power glove where it's like that this, they're so like excited for this kid to have the power glove. And I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, the power glove kind of sucks. Are they going (laughs) to talk about that? And they do like, it's, it's little stuff like that. I think that's what makes a movie like this and movies like a Christmas story because they are unique. There's not a lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, enjoyable. And they don't get old. Is that, that feeling that it is kind of sketch comedy, but in a cohesive story. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's just lots of little vignettes that are true to life and, 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 and certainly I think even, even more so to its credit, to be honest, a Christmas story has more of that. Um, and it's just small storytelling and that feels, that feels real and that feels grounded. And, and, uh, you know, I think people relate to that and, and, and I think a Christmas story, especially it's never trying too hard. No, and to me that I, to me that's great writing, uh, and, and that's why Gene Shepard's a, a genius in my book. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's just little stories, and they they trust themselves, and and uh, you know, it's it's great to have those those little moments. So it's, I'm glad to hear you connected with some of them in Eight Bit. So, look, people can say that this is recency biased, and I totally understand that. 
I don't, I, I enjoy Christmas Story quite a bit. I don't, it's not my favorite movie of all time, like one of you, and I really don't watch it for 24 straight hours on <laughs> Christmas Day, like another one of you. So what I'll say is that I genuinely, I remember when I watched 8-Bit Christmas and it was over, I looked at my friends and said, I would watch this 10 times before I watch Christmas Story. I, I genuinely think that it, and I think it's also because like, you know, Christmas Story is about a time that I wasn't alive for. Yeah. Eight bit Christmas yeah. is about a time that I connect with, but I I genuinely think that the jokes are are so solid and so relatable, and I told everybody to check out this movie when it came out, and it looks like from what I've heard, a lot of people listened to us because it seemed like it did really really well. So the question on everybody's mind is, will there be a sixteen bit Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well. First, thanks for you know spreading the word, guys, and and everything because I I think this is you know. It is HBO Max and it is a bigger movie, but word of mouth is is what makes it or breaks it. So thank you for for spreading the word. I I hope so. To be honest, like uh, I can't get into it too much, but uh, I hope so. Let me just let me just. Say it's not that. off the table, is what you're saying. No, it's not. I mean, they didn't say it did so bad. We're gonna bury this and no, never no, let no, anyone it did, see. It did. <laughs> it did fantastic. It it was it was their number one you know movie uh it did it, of of actually all time direct to hbo max so yes. it, did re- it did really really well Excellent. um so they're really excited about it we're really happy with it um creatively i would i would love to stay with these characters i would love to see what christmas you know a couple years down the road is for them and i i know exactly what i want that to be it's a question of you know if, if it all works out so i i would i would love that i love these characters and this world and it would be a lot of a lot of fun to revisit it see and i need that man being the i know matt was just talking about like he identifies with this one because it hit his childhood i'm the young buck man i was born in 92 so i need that 16 bit or 32 <laughs> oh, bit christmas gotta get for it sure. for you. <laughs> gotta get it for you for sure <laughs> for sure so i hope so i hope so so in a weird connection to a previous episode that we just had right we had our friend word burglar on here a, a canadian nerdcore rapper we got into a little bit of conversation about gaming because he currently holds the nintendo power high score for the game narc and got very excited when narc appeared in 8-bit christmas but it it made me think of something i think one of the things that we jokingly poked fun about in our episode was you were talking about how nintendo was bigger than life you know it had its own serial it had its own magazines but I think it also comes with this IP that it keeps very close to its chest. Yeah. Which I think is why a game like NARC does get to appear in this movie. What was it like trying to fight for the licensing for any of the Nintendo stuff, let alone like anything tied to the big guns of yeah. the Nintendo system? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, it's so funny, and I say this all the time, but any movie that gets made is is really a minor miracle. Like there yeah. are just so many things that you just don't, think about that first a corporation has to decide that this script is is worth spending 27 million dollars on you know i mean they have to first that's hurdle huge hurdle number one you know what i mean like (laughs) so that's kind of a problem and then uh you know you get into uh legal things like like with nintendo so warner brothers had had bought the script and or was about or was uh, the deal was being worked out but one of the big things was you know what do we what what about nintendo we need, we'll need the rights. Right. And so, um, I mean, the movie's already been shot, so I think we're in the clear, but, but the, <laughs> the question was, you know, do we ask? And if we ask for permission, 
if they say no, we can't make this movie. You know, there's no like, there have been floated to me like, well, maybe we could just make it, you know, a generic system. I was like, I'm not doing the movie if it's a generic system. Yeah. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. It would be horrible. You yeah. Know? Can, can, are you sure this can't be Sega CD Christmas? <laughs> right. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. It just, it just couldn't. I mean, I, I can't think of an analogy off the top of my head, but there's just no way it would work. So, um, luckily the, the legal department at Warner brothers, um, felt really confident that as long as we didn't show Nintendo in some disparaging way or that Nintendo, like it used to be, there was, um, uh, the through line, just sort of the chant was Nintendo. No, or, you know, we were very specific with using Nintendo as the language. And then it just, be, we had to switch it to something like video game over, which is funnier, I think. Um, yeah. uh, because it wasn't specific about Nintendo saying Nintendo did something bad to these children. It was video games in general. So you had to make little tweaks like that. And if you did that, then you could use the system and you could show the system and you could reference the system because I think at this point it's basically like public, public domain. I mean, Nintendo is its own yeah. thing. Um, and so they, they were able to sort of clear that and come to a, an agreement, at least legally <laughs> themselves that, uh, we could use Nintendo if we made those changes. And so that was really good. That was a big sigh of relief uh, for me. And then, um, then it came down to the games. I had written, I had written scenes where there are, you know, lots more um, games or at least montages of just some of the famous games. You know, when Jake first comes down there and sees the Nintendo in his mind, like every cool thing from every game just like fired off in his head, and it was yeah. great. And you got a good sense of what the games look like and everything. But as you guys probably know. Uh, you know, Nintendo owned most of their games, you know, they would have, it would have that Nintendo stamp of approval. So they, they own those games. And so we couldn't ask for those games as well, like on the side, like uh, we're doing this movie, but we just want these games. You know, if you brought it up with Nintendo at all, they would either say yes or no and either let you or shut down the whole movie. So we had to find, we had to find games that were not owned by Nintendo. And so the games that we used uh, in the movie were either made up or then we created ourselves, or they were owned by Warner Brothers. So Rampage and Paperboy are two uh, Warner Brothers games. I think they owned Activision, not Activision, Suncoast. I can't remember the name of the company, but uh, they own those games. So those were games that we were able to use. Nice. Um, so, but it, legally, it was it was a tightrope to walk, just in terms of like what we could use. So people are always kind of complaining, like Mario's not even in that movie. <laughs> My answer is like, yeah, I know. I wish it was, but we couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I think that no, was the, really that was sense. one of the things we got into in our review. And I think that was the the overall conclusion that we came to was like, listen, it's it's got to be difficult to get a hold of Mario or <laughs> Zelda or <all>, like <laughs> yeah. already working with Nintendo as a whole. And then you're like asking for more. So, yeah. Hey, can no, we I have think your I... biggest icon as well? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Just use exactly. it and do what we want with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it worked. I think it really worked, man. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. So obviously we'll, we'll take Christmas story off the table. What are some of the other it's December? Let's say it's like December 20th. What movies if you haven't watched them by now, are you like making sure that you've got some time in your schedule to sit down and watch as your yearly yeah, viewings? That's that's good because I mean there's so many great ones. I think for me the other two, the other two big ones are It's a Wonderful Life and uh, and Home Alone. I think yeah. I think Home Alone for me, I think I was probably nine or ten when it. Let's see, nine. Yeah, it was ninety. Yeah, yeah. So ten or eleven when it came out. 
um, which is roughly the same age as Kevin McAllister. It's set in Chicago. My name is Kevin. Like I was like, this movie is just written for me. Like at ten years old, I was like, this is this is my movie. So I, you know, I saw it twice in the theaters. I I, I just I I love that movie. I love the music in it. I love I love the way it looks. I love all the little Chicago references. Like I I would watch that over and over as a kid. So that's definitely one of my favorites. And I'm just a huge John Hughes fan. Just as a writer. Um, he's one of my favorites. So Home Alone for sure. And then It's a Wonderful Life, which is just. It's a flawless script. It's yeah. a, I mean, It's a Wonderful it's just Life is just a perfect film. It's, it is a perfect film. And it, it's perfect because, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a very adult story. Yeah. You know, it's about a man who's, who's thinking about killing himself. I mean, when you, when you break it down, that's, that's what it is. And it's, it's thinking about if your life has any meaning or not. And, and and coming to the conclusion of what really matters and it's a beautiful love story i mean it's just it's a it's a wonderful movie it's a wonderful life yeah. so yeah it's so those two over the years i've definitely found myself falling in love with more and more and more of those old black and white classics um the original miracle on 34th street and even like kind yeah. of lesser known ones like the bishop's wife and stuff just like there's something magical about I, I I do another podcast called uh, Before My Time that's all about celebrating proper like films and music that came decades before we were born and we were we just did an episode on Singing in the Rain oh, where we cool. talked about how there's just there's such a comfort to watching these like golden era films where it's just like they don't make like you'll never see a movie that looks like that yeah. authentically ever again yeah <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's so weirdly comforting. How excited were you as a huge Home Alone fan to find out that pretty much the two big new Christmas movies that dropped last year was 8-Bit Christmas (laughs) and a new Home Alone movie. And I think on every possible level, 8-Bit Christmas walked away the winner of that battle in the in the winter of 2021. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I know. And I I. uh... I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen the other Home Alone. I I watched it. You know, you just, and that's one of those things where you just like wonder how, you know, you wonder how movies get made. You wonder how bad movies get made. I don't know. It's just, it's just enough people in charge need that movie. Like Disney Plus is like, we need that movie. What is it? And then you just, it just snowballs. And so I need to watch the movie before I say if it's any good or not. Um, But um, I was very pleased uh with how 8-bit christmas did and how it turned out and um yeah i think i think uh, uh you won the war though that's the big thing <laughs> <laughs> it was a real david and goliath story and you <laughs> you walked it away I'll, I'll take it i'll take the it, david man. and goliath story of disney versus hbo <laughs> yeah yeah now now we also we cover like both ends of the spectrum so i'm curious because we're always looking for new things to watch around Christmas time. And one of ours this past year was eight bit Christmas. Do you have anything like more modern that you have been drawn to in recent years? Wow. That's a good question, man. A good Christmas movie. Uh, So within the last five years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Within the last five years. Hmm. I don't know. I might not. Uh, you can just say eight bit Christmas. Yeah, it? just eight bit Christmas. <laughs> just watch eight bit Christmas over and over. I mean, I, I don't know if I do, and that was one of the things. And maybe you guys can recommend some to me. I the, um, you know, I I hadn't seen 
or what I thought was a modern Christmas classic. You know, I I think maybe it was 2005. There was it was Bad Santa, Elf, and Love Actually. I yeah, think that yeah. was all 2005, and I love all three of those movies, and I hadn't really loved one since then. Um, so I felt like you know maybe it was a good time for Eight Bit Christmas, but man, in the last five, what is there anything you guys really love in the, over the last five? So years? the first episode of our show, <laughs> we covered a brand new Christmas movie at that time, and I've heard very mixed responses yeah. from people who've watched it, but on the whole, the people who like Christmas 365 have almost unanimously written us emails thanking us for telling them about it cool. was there was a Netflix movie called let it snow that came out okay. in like 2019 and it is basically like empire records or can't hardly wait at Christmas time. Oh, like cool. it's just the it's Christmas Eve and it's the story of four or five different kids all trying to go to the same Christmas party oh, cool. and like the wacky hijinks that ensue in their pursuit to get to that party um just it was just a feel good and it's like what was cool was that there was really no christmas music in it it was all like an indie rock soundtrack of like deep cut songs so like i can listen to the song it's nice because i can listen to those songs any time of the year and low-key it just sounds like i'm listening to indie rock but in my heart i'm like (laughs) i'm thinking about christmas that's perfect you're taking a a page out of my book matt yeah like this this thing makes me think about christmas (laughs) i'm watching the star wars movie because it's christmas time (laughs) (laughs) well that's great that's great i'll have to check that out i mean i think you know i'm sure why you guys love and, and maybe you love christmas for different reasons but i love it just it just makes everybody better Yes. and nicer yep. and happier and kinder and and just there's just a sense of optimism that sort of permeates the whole month and and the build up to it and 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 that's what was so fun about writing well the book and then the movie was that I just got to think about that all day yeah. you know I just got to got to live in christmas in my head all day long so um I think that's why people love christmas and if you can you know uh make a movie that just sort of captures that a little bit, whether it's not, even if it's just set around Christmas, but not about Christmas, which it sounds like let it snow is, um, yeah. you know, you can, you can capture that, that feeling, um, which makes great Christmas movie. Yeah. Christmas I, movie. I, I think we've said it on the show before, but really Bill Murray's speech at the end of Scrooge, I feel like <laughs> yes. sums up why I love Christmas so much in, in so many words. Cause it's just a speech about like how much, how much better you feel doing good things and like how like when you really are invested in that Christmas spirit, you're like, well, why would I only do this in December? Like, let me do this all year round. And I've, I've jokingly said, which is a terrible thing for me to say as a person who part of my employment is working at a church, but I've said that Ebenezer Scrooge is more important to Christmas than Jesus in my eyes. Like, (laughs) like it represents more of what I think the Christmas spirit actually is, which is like that people can change and be a better person and that you can like do amazing things in December and then use that to change who you are from January to November as well. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Which is kind of what the podcast is about at its core. Like, yeah, it's, it's fun that we're talking about Christmas all year round, but like, it's more just like, Hey, like, let's just keep that good feeling that we have yeah. from November 1st to December 26th. And just like 
bottle it up and keep it to ourselves and, and share it for 10 more months. Like, yeah. Well, that's great. You guys are like a, a public health service, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't like to call myself a hero, yeah. but I am. So. I do. I'll do it. I do. I'll do it. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are heroes. I like it. <laughs> what is, so we'll take the, we'll obviously take the NES off the table here. What was the best Christmas gift Ooh. you can remember receiving that wasn't a super and uh, any form of Nintendo? We'll take yeah. all of the Nintendos off. Well, I think in my probably the best gift. I think I was in seventh grade. My grandfather had passed uh, eighth grade. My grandfather passed away, and he had a, a camcorder. And my grandma gave me his camcorder Ooh. the the year after he passed away, and it was just such a cool gift. Because I had lots of uh, cousins, so it could have gone to any of them, but it went to me. And, uh, uh, you know, it was very influential on my life. You know, I started making movies and short films and, and all that because of that, because of that gift. So that's probably, that's probably number one after, after the old Nintendo. I, I think you can put that even above the Nintendo, honestly. Yeah. That's, that's, oof. talk about two gifts that both really, uh, corresponded with where you're at now in your yeah. life. Yeah. It's a combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? What did, did you get a Nintendo, Matt? Were you of that age? No. Oh, so I got a Super Nintendo. I was, nice. I, and that was, my problem is that a lot of it bleeds together because I'm a late October baby. Okay. So like, so I think I didn't get as many like earth shattering Christmas gifts as yeah. I got like, I would get the Super Nintendo for my birthday in October and then like Christmas, I would get a bunch of games yeah, to go yeah. with it type yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so there isn't like a big one, but I, I think, you know, I, I had a very close relationship with my grandfather as well. He was kind of what got me into music and cinema and and all of that stuff. So I, I had a similar situation where it was like just my grandmother knowing the closeness that I had and gifting me like I have his um, I have his banjo and his first guitar oh, cool. in my closet. So it's yeah. like stuff like that. The, those sentimental gifts are always going to be the ones that like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what video games I got on what holiday yeah, but i yeah. can tell you yeah i remember opening a gift and seeing that it was my grandfather's banjo and like needing a couple minutes to myself because yeah, it was like yeah. overwhelmingly emotional yeah. oh, how about you good. dylan i think See, we've covered this well, before but now, yeah i was gonna say now i jump into being the commercialism <laughs> side of Christmas, where i'm like i can tell you what video games i got <laughs> Um, again, being a little younger, I do remember opening my first PlayStation and, and my, uh, my N64 on Christmas. I mean, we've talked about like my Christmas morning was spent opening up the games, uh, when there wasn't a console coming out and I would get the new, whatever wrestling game was coming out at the time. And I would play that until everybody was ready to head to breakfast. Or I remember, um, in 2008 eight or 2006 2008 one of those years um the game bully came out for the playstation 2 and i remember playing that it's one of my favorite christmas memories so it's like it's stuff like that um i know i'm i'm leaning less in the like heartfelt side but more the commercialism side but i still like i don't know these are moments that are still important to me man no so so i was visiting my brother in georgia last week and he has a playstation and he has all of the old games that we had when we got our playstation and it did unlock a christmas memory just now when you were talking about it but him and i were talking about this too that my parents got the whole squad of kids a playstation one christmas like it was like this is 
for the four of you to to share, but they got it so late in the explosion of PlayStation that they couldn't get any games for it just yet. Like the games were just like sold out. Is it the so demo disc? We spent the a demo full disc? Christmas morning just playing yeah. the one level available on the demo <laughs> disc as a, as a squad of four siblings just arguing over whose turn it was to do the one slope from Cool Borders 3 that was on the demo. Yes. <laughs> like the one, the starter level in Spyro. Like, like that's like my Christmas video game memory. I, I mean, like gaming to me, it does, it does relate so much to Christmas. One of my favorite Christmases, um, I had gotten a PlayStation 3 and two of my friends who lived right around the corner from me all of their like Christmas stuff had been done and they both came over and we played DJ hero for eight hours. And I, and just (laughs) moments like that where it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as like, this isn't an amazing heartfelt gift, but it was still a gift that brought everyone together. Yeah. And, And I just, I love moments like that. Um, and I think that's kind of, I think that's that's kind of the heartfelt message with 8-Bit Christmas as well is like, yes, there was this underlying goal of getting the Nintendo, but it, it was about bringing everyone together and it, and it brought the kids together. It We realized that relationship with our main character and his father to, at the end. And, and I think that's kind of the message of Christmas as a whole is just bringing everyone together and just just bettering yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and no matter what, like we all have those memories and I think what's fun about video games is that they're sort of just tied into your senses that way, you know? Like if you hear the music from those video games again, you're like right back in there, Yep. you know, Uh, which is cool. So one other thing that I think we tackle on a lot of the show and specifically when we do have guests, I'd like to know what is any type of Christmas tradition you have? And it, it can be you know, specific foods that you eat or, you know, like, oh, every, you know, like Dylan said, like, I will be watching Christmas story on Christmas day. Like when it's doing its, it's marathon play, like what are some of the Christmas traditions that you try to never miss? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, for me growing and, and honestly, like a lot of them are, are in the book and in the movie. Like I just, you know, I spent years thinking about it and, <laughs> and putting it in there. And I, uh, but for us, like my family, um, we would have the very, very specific set schedule, uh, you know, every year you have, you have Christmas Eve, Catholic would go to mass. My grandparents uh, and uncle on my dad's side would come over. We'd have just like dinner there. You wake up in the morning and then you have Christmas in the morning with just my immediate family. Then we go to Christmas, my dad's side of the family, uh, my grandparents and all the aunts and uncles and cousins would come over there. And then later that night, which is actually an 8-bit Christmas, the we would, for some bizarre reason, we would leave at night to drive at like midnight from Chicago to St. Paul, Minnesota, because there was no traffic. Uh, that's when my dad wanted to drive there so that we wouldn't have to. Uh, I, I think to um, to my mom's side of the family, my other set of grandparents and my all my aunts and uncles that live in Minnesota. And it wasn't until I was uh, much older with kids of my own, I realized why my dad wanted to leave in the middle of the night on Christmas night, which is just bizarre, was that because we'd all be asleep and he wouldn't have to deal with us. Yeah. We'd just we'd just be asleep in the back and he could just drive for six hours and just not have to, you know, talk to us or worry about us 
or whatever. But I have very specific memories of just like falling asleep in the back in the minivan and, you know, seeing the snow outside in Wisconsin and Minnesota. And we'd have Christmas there. And, um, and then years passed, uh, years later, we would, we would then go from that Christmas up to two hours north to my, uh, my uncle at a big cabin up there. And we would play pond hockey on the frozen lake. And um, so it's just all these just very specific sort of a, a timeline of, of gathering with, with uh, family. It was sort of an extended Christmas. It was like four days of Christmas. It was glorious. So That's that the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Kevin, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. We will absolutely have you back on the show if you'll let us. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> but absolutely. in the meantime, as we're all waiting for the big uh, eventual when, you know, 1632 or 64-bit <laughs> Christmas, where can people stay up to date with what's going on with you, whether it's books, screenplays, or anything else? Yeah, I, I have a, a website. I don't really update it very often. I probably should. Uh, it's kevin-jakabowski.com. You can check that out. Uh, you can get the book. If you like the movie, check out the book. There's a lot more in, in there that I couldn't squeeze into the movie. Uh, you can get that on, on Amazon. Um, and those are the places you can find me. But but hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, I'd love to be back again with a, with another movie, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Of course. Whoa, oh, whoa, now we won't stop till the big ball drops on New Year's. Happy, happy holiday, have a great, great, great holiday, have a merry, 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 happy holiday. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one-hit wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the one-hit thunder or was nothing more than a one-hit blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.